Welcome to Proofing and Lies. This is a social science podcast about current events and delicious recipes. I'm Elle Rochford, a PhD candidate in sociology at Purdue University. I'm Andrew Shriver. I'm a public defender in Northeast Ohio. Each episode, we'll sift through the flour and the facts, bringing you tasty recipes and interesting topics. Hello, and welcome to Proofing and Lies. Today, we don't have any special guests. We have the specialist guest, Andrew Schrocker. Today we're talking about chocolate caramel sandwich cookies and sovereign citizens. Yeah, so one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite topics, especially as a as a defense attorney, I deal with these people um, relatively frequently, uh, and they are wild. They are wild people. Yeah, they are always a delight. So before we dive into that, mm. uh, we'll talk a little bit about the sandwich cookies, yeah. which um, if you follow us on Instagram at Proofing and Lies, uh, you'll know that I made a very elaborate chocolate caramel birthday cake for my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you wouldn't know that it was for my dad. That was... <laughs> now you know. It was for yes. dad. It was great. It was uh, phenomenal. If you're really into the podcast and you're following <laughs> you know, our lives and you know, the, the celebrity of, yeah. of us... Uh, you'll know that it was a birthday cake for my dad. But if you just look at the pictures, it, it was a chocolate and caramel drip cake with buttercream and all this stuff. And um, I had all this leftover caramel. And it's my favorite caramel recipe. You melt down the sugar, which takes more patience than I have. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in chunks of butter and then you drizzle in cream. And it makes this like really delicious, pourable caramel sauce. Um, but you can also chill it down and it gets pretty thick. Um, I've actually added, while it's still boiling, a little teaspoon of agar-agar. And that makes it like a jelly, so like a caramel jelly. So it's it's really fun. It's really versatile. And I had a bunch of it left over. So I made just a basic chocolate cookie recipe that I'll throw up on the Instagram. Um, and I made like little button size, like a little bit larger than quarters mm-hmm. chocolate cookies. And I sandwiched them together with the caramel and I have these cute little gift boxes. So I've been giving boxes to people. Yeah, they're really, they're really great. I, I got to recommend them a uh, 10 out of 10 delicious cookie. Yeah. And, and if you don't want to go the sandwich cookie route, like this caramel sauce is, is really easy to make. It's impressive to say you made your own caramel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it on anything. I, I dipped a gingerbread in it. It was Ooh, delicious. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, I put it between cake layers, um, drizzle it on things. You can put it on ice cream. I 10 out of 10 recommend this caramel sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, it does spit at you. So it feels a little dangerous <laughs> when you're making it. Um, so I just recommend using a deeper pot than you think you'll need. Okay, so that's for the sweet bit. And yes. now we're getting into the less sweet, more <laughs> maybe bitter. Yeah. So um, I, I am, I'm really, I mean, I'm really into extremists. I'm really into conspiracy theorists. Uh, I have been for a while. Studying them, not yeah. participating. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think for a while, it was one of those things for a while, they were funny and now they're not, but now now I'm more glad that I know about them because, you know, a lot of their, their stuff is more mainstream, <laughs> regrettably, than it used to be. There's at least more in the forefront. But um, sovereign citizens especially are, are a group that I've really enjoyed. Maybe that's the wrong word, but I've really found interesting for a very long time. Um, and if you're not familiar, the sovereign citizens comprise a number of different 
people and, and groups and ideologies, but it's an umbrella term for people who generally fit a, cu- a couple main categories. But the, the biggest one is they don't think that the government has any jurisdiction over them. Um, so like Ron Swanson, you don't watch Parks and Rec. So I, I'm familiar okay. with the character. No, no, he's, I mean, he, no, like more than that. Uh, just like, you know, the, the, the idea is that the government shouldn't exist really over the most local level. A lot of it is, is sort of almost libertarianism taken to the nth degree. The, uh, a lot of them, you know, believe there shouldn't be government over the county level almost, right? Like that's a sort okay. of common that the county sheriff is the highest office in the land. And, you know, it's, it's generally characterized by one, like I said, a rejection of a, a total rejection of government authority, right? These people don't pay taxes. They don't pay parking tickets. They don't pay speeding tickets. They're often, um, when they do get in legal trouble, often end up in more legal trouble because they refuse to go to court or, or cause disturbances in court. Um, it's also characterized by uh, what I call magic words or magic language. Um, generally, sovereign citizens will adopt. They become familiar once you see a lot of them, these, these magic words. Um, they reference something called the UCC, which is the Uniform Commercial Code, a lot as somehow being a legal authority on par with the Constitution. And, and so generally, when I say magic words, I mean legal phrases or what sound like legal phrases taken, just chopped entirely out of context and plugged in to um, fit whatever they're, they're trying to get away with. So between like, like someone who watches a lot of Law & Order, mm-hmm. you know, regurgitating legalese to declaring your own country, right? Mm-hmm. What it, What's the spectrum here? Um, well, I mean, again, it depends because we're talking about a large group of people, but but everywhere in that spectrum. Um, but it's it's more nefarious than just, I watched a lot of, of Law & Order, because I get clients like that, right? I watched a lot, of order, a lot of Law & Order, and now I think I understand how the courts work. They don't want the courts to work because they don't think that the courts have the ability to tell them to do anything, right? Because they don't believe in the government, you know? So a lot of it is um, what in their minds, if they put the right words in the right order, you know, this is why I refer to it as, as magic words, right? If they say the right things in the right order, if they plug these things in the right spots, then it's just like a get out of jail free card, right? And they don't have to, you know, pay that speeding ticket or stand to answer that assault charge or, you know, uh, get their license suspended for that DUI or whatever, right? And that's, you know, usually what we're, when, when we encounter these sorts of people. How do you get into that? How do you become a sovereign citizen? So um, their history starts back in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, with oh, so it's newer. I guess I thought yeah. this was like, like the Amish. This is like a... No, no, no. So this is, I mean... People have tried stuff like this for a while. You know, it's not it, it's it's not new to you know think you can trick your way out of legal trouble. That's not new, but their history is like a somewhat organized thing. And and I'll get into a second um, because how someone gets into this is is an interesting question. But they, as an organization or as as something of an organized movement, it it starts in the '60s and '70s with a group called the Christian Identity Movement which was a, in short, white nationalist, Christian supremacist um, 
organization, uh, mostly in the West, you know, mostly in Montana. So before, before we go too far in, mm. so what what is a Christian supremacist? Um, it's pretty much what it sounds like on the tin. Uh, the anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, um, usually anti-Catholic. Uh, right, like, Bummer. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's an early version of a lot of the things you see now. The early ver- A lot of these people went on to have prominence in militia movements and, and white nationalism and, and various flavors of right-wing extremism. A lot of them came out of the John Birch Society, uh, which was a another crackpot hard right. Um, they, they started as an anti-communist organization. They famously thought that Dwight D. Eisenhower was uh, too far to the left and was a tool of the Soviet Union. If that gives you an idea of where, okay, right? if that yeah. gives you an idea of where their politics are. At. They still exist in some capacity now. A lot of these, a lot of these groups do. But uh, we say more mean things about them. Uh, yeah, they saw. I mean, they're bad. Oh no, I'm, I'm, yeah. Oh, I was joking. Yeah. Uh, his opinions are his opinions. Yeah. If you're listening. No, they're, they're. I mean, they're just bad people. Um, and you know, anyone who was in that organization is a bad person. I'm, I'm fine drawing that line. Uh, we're against the Ustazi and the John Birch society. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're against fascism, I think pretty clearly on this, on this podcast. So, you know, you can see, I mean, that's why like it it gets murky where a lot of these groups originated because if you go back, go back far enough, you know, they're all, you know, reactionaries have existed forever. I guess I'm I'm fascinated by this idea that sob citizens, sob sids as mm. I call them, yeah. who reject government lean fascist. Yeah, well it's an interesting um so I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and it and it, it is because a lot of these people are either fairly wealthy already or as we'll talk about, have scammed their way into some money okay. or you know, are money rich, or I'm sorry, are money poor, but land rich is kind of a, a common okay. thread of a lot of these people. But largely, like a lot of them benefit from, you know, the underpinnings of society, much like many libertarians, uh, where, you know, their property rights getting recognized by a central government has value to them and, and you know, back is the backstop of, of their entire lives, right? I mean, you look at like the, the Bundys, um, who are not sovereign citizens, but, you know, are associated with a lot of these groups. So, like, even a lot of modern, you know, more current militia groups, right, like, they have wealth and land and money because we live in a society where the government backstops their claims to money and land and, and everything else. So, it, it you know, it, much as fascism always does, it drifts into absurdity um, when you really take a look at it. Um, but sovereign citizens are, are generally more interesting because they're more widely varied than your your standard militia organization. And so one of the re- one of the ways a lot of people get into this, one of the reasons um, a lot of they really took off in the '80s, and one of the reasons they really took off in the '80s was because of like the savings and loan crisis and the recessions of the '80s that left a lot of um, Western farmers and landowners, again, like land rich, but very money poor. And so they were easy marks for a lot of these things because they were, you know, a lot of these people were in desperate situations. They're facing foreclosure, they're facing whatever. And it sounds really nice 
if somebody says, hey, no, 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 don't worry about that foreclosure because the bank doesn't really own your land because the bank can't own land and they can't force you to go to court because the courts aren't real, right? The court can't take away your land because the courts don't have any jurisdiction over you because if you say these magic words in this order and you file these documents, you know, that I, that I can sell to you, uh, right, that's there what, there's the grift. There yeah, if you file these documents, you know, in this order and you say these specific things, then the courts can't come take your land away. And um, that's, you know, that's where a lot of people get it. Um, the other big branch of sovereign citizens is what's called the Moorish, na- the Moorish nation or Moorish nationals, okay. um, who are broadly, they're black sovereign citizens. That's fascinating. Yeah. And they have a more sympathetic road here, um, which is largely that the argument there is that, you know, for white Americans, either you, you know, your family came here on the Mayflower or whatever, or at some point your family immigrated here sure. voluntarily. And so someone, so to speak, signed the social contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you it's okay that you guys are all beholden to that. But, you know, for black people, their ancestors came here involuntarily. Right. None of them asked for any of this shit. You know, none of them signed up to be here. None of them signed that social contract. So, you know, it shouldn't apply to me. That's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. It's an interesting, like, philosophical argument. Yeah. But society would stop working. Yes. Right. If that's how we thought about it. Sorry, we've got some cats in the background. Yeah. No. Well, exactly. I mean, that's that's. Well, it's the, it's the argument of like, well, I didn't ask to be born. Right. It's like, right, but you are here now. Right. Um, and so the, I, I won't talk too, too much about them, largely because a lot of it gets into uh, issues of race that I'm, I'm not myself qualified to comment on. But there are some interesting people and, and groups that come out of that. Um, I think certainly they have a more sympathetic orientation. Than it's a more, I mean, it's a more interesting argument i think yeah but so one of the 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 things that you know all these people have in common like i said is is the magic words and if you are involved in the courts or or you read reports of these people long enough you'll pick up patterns right so one of the big common sovereign citizen arguments is that fiat currency and other paper money isn't real right well and it's not i mean yeah, yeah they're right in a way yeah but so, but not only is it not real, the government has been lying to you and telling you it's real. Um, and they, you know, somewhere, some secret organization in the U.S. government still uses gold-backed currency, and they're hiding it from you, the individual. But if you say these things and file these papers in this specific order, you can get access to your share of the gold. That's wild because it also like supposes that gold is inherently valuable right. <laughs> where money is not. Yes. But like yeah. gold is a useful metal. Right. But so are other metals. I mean that's it's it's fascinating where the logic stops. Yeah. Well, and that's you know, that's true for a, a lot of these um for a lot of these people's theories. Um so I'm gonna show you one of the most one of the most common things um, that the sovereign citizens 
did in the 80s, largely in response, like I said, to, to the economic crises and stuff, was something that experts, um, this is from a guy named uh, Mark Pitcavage, who is on Twitter. He is very, you know, he's very well informed about all this stuff. He's a, he's a professional uh, researcher of extremism. He gives talks to uh, judicial officers and, and things like that about sovereign citizens and about white, white supremacist extremists. But so he refers to them just as fictitious financial instruments. Um, so I'm going to show you a picture. This is a uh, public office money certificate. And we'll post a picture yeah. of this on. It looks like a check. Right. Yes. It looks like a check. It's got, you know, Louisiana public office money certificate in the upper left. You can date it. It's the understand will pay to you blank X amount of dollars. But then underneath where it says dollars of the money of account of Louisiana as required by law at Louisiana revised statute section 1-53 pending official determination of said money. Now that's the thing because what this means effectively is that pending official determination of said money. What this means is that fiat currency is not real. Congress has never officially decided what money is. So once they get around to that, I'll pay you whatever that value is. You know, once Congress says that, you know, we're using bottle caps or beans or gold or whatever, I'll pay you $2,000 of that. But this looks like a check, right? If you're not paying a tremendous amount of attention, this is just a fucking check. Sorry, I get one in episode. Um, If you're not paying attention, this is just a check. Now, this was invented by a guy named, uh, these were invented by a guy named Tupper Saucy. Love um, the name. Yes. Who was a, uh, just a fan, phenomenally interesting person, uh, one-time songwriter. Here's his album cover. Sorry. Uh, of, like, neoclassical oh, music. wow. Right? <laughs> right. It looks like, like an off-brand Don Draper. Mm-hmm oil painting but like it's like they added more grease to his hair and face <laughs> right he was a uh, he he was indicted for failing to pay taxes and, and was a fugitive for something like 10 years uh, before ultimately, right before ultimately going to prison how well do you think tupper saucy did in prison i don't know he was old when he went there he died not too long afterwards i think he was in his 70s by the time he was actually arrested well, that's uh, fun. He go fun fact about him. He ghost wrote the biography of James Earl Ray, the guy who killed Martin Luther King Jr. So he's a, what? Yeah, he's a, a very interesting guy. Um, James Earl Ray sued sued this guy's estate when the book came out. So just a weird um, thing. But anyway, so so this this document says basically there's no such thing as money currently because we're not on a gold or silver standard. But once Congress decides what money actually is. I got you. Until then, you hold on to this. Um, And the thing is, this really took off in the 80s. These were a real big deal in in the 80s because what people would do with these at his suggestion was they would try to pay their utilities, pay their mortgage, pay their rent in them, which is, you know, whatever. I'm not unsympathetic to that. If you can get away with paying First Energy in funny money – I'm not allowed to encourage that behavior, but, you know, I'm not going to get super mad about it. But where this became like a real big problem was sovereign citizens were taking these two farmers and local stores and things like that and paying them. And in fact, one of the most common scams in the 80s 
was to overpay for something, right? Goods from a farmer or, you know, you know, you pay ahead on your rent or whatever, and then ask for the difference back, right? You go back the next day and say, oh, hey, sorry, like I, I you know, if you'll look, you'll see I gave you a thousand bucks instead of 500. You know, why don't, can you just give me the, the cash? And a lot of the people that were praying on, you know, this is the, the 80s, so it's not hundreds of years ago or anything, but even still into the 80s, you're looking at a, a less educated, less sophisticated group of people. I mean, in rural areas in the 80s still had problems with literacy, you know. And so a lot of people, like small farmers and, and small businesses and stuff, were absolutely getting rang up by these. Sure. Um, and it was enough of a problem that uh, at one point in the, in the late 80s, uh, there was a bill proposed in Congress to bail out farmers who'd been taken advantage of by these. Oh. Uh, to the t- I mean, because it was to the tune of several tens of millions of dollars. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it was a, you know, th- there's um, a Chicago Tribune article from 1987 basically saying, you know, federal banking authorities uh, are acting to halt the use of tens of millions of dollars in worthless financial notes, often by hard-pressed farmers seeking a way out of foreclosure. Uh, there was a bill introduced in Congress that that failed to um, try and bail them out. But so that was um, that was a whole big thing, you know, in, in the 80s and into the 90s even. And this still pops up occasionally today. You know, in the in the mid 2000s, this transferred into people trying to use these to buy cars and boats, because sure. if you got I mean, and again, if you've got sort of an unsophisticated, smaller operation, right, some of the small you know, you drive through Cleveland, some of these small, like, used car lots yeah. or whatever. Some of these people who weren't, you know, weren't paying attention, or if it's just one guy selling, you know, six used cars out of a lot on, on you know, Chester and he's 55th or whatever, you know, some of these people would, were falling for it. I don't know what checks look like. Like, yeah, right, right. I mean, and it looks, you know, they look like checks. And in fact, this week, a man from Mississippi was found guilty of fraud, among among other things, in federal court for using one of these to pay the IRS oh, over $3.9 million. Well, number one, can you write checks that large? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's never come up in my own life. I, right, yeah, exactly. But so the, um, he he allegedly sent. Sorry, no, it was more than that. It was a, almost one point seven. Carry the one. Oh, sorry, it was one for almost one point seven and one for almost three point nine. So together, whatever that math is, I'm terrible at it. But you know, almost six million dollars he paid to the IRS in funny money, and then got a and then got an overage refund from the IRS. <laughs> So it's Crap not just team. yeah. So it's not just it's not just you know beet farmers or whatever who are getting screwed by this. So this, this guy scammed the IRS for presumably you know six or seven figures. You have to admire the audacity. Yeah, I mean, was that sense. guy was that guy like a true believer or was he a con artist or maybe that, a mix? That I don't know. I couldn't find. Um, I tried to look him up on Pacer, but I didn't have. I'd already gone through my free pacer allotment. So um, that's the other fun thing, by the way. Anything in federal court, you like, if you uh, try to look up more than, I think it's it's like 10 cents a page. And if you look up more than a buck 25 worth of stuff uh, in a quarter of a year, you have to pay for it. 
as opposed to every other court in the country where you can you know look at their yeah that seems not great yeah it, this was this was supposed to be the like affordable public friendly alternative to getting do- to going to the courthouse and getting documents anyway the federal government <sighs> federal court system is really awful for a number of reasons. But no, I don't know anything else about this guy. I, I really could not find. Um, there's a short article in the local paper, but it just says basically what I told you. Fascinating. Um, so that's that's a pretty common. I mean, and, and these people will often try crap like this, right? Just a variety of fictitious instruments that, if you're not paying attention, look real or look like they could be real. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people who get scammed with this stuff are older people or my, uh, minorities, poor people, less sophisticated people get get dropped by these sorts of things all the time. And sometimes in ways that can end them up in, in legal trouble or, or at least like severe fi- financial distress. And then the other, the other thing, though, if you go, well, that's fine, I'll just, you know, I'll be very careful. I, I won't accept these people's stuff. You know, I'll, I'll ensure that, sure. that, you know... I'll ensure that I'm actually getting a check for this car or whatever, right? Well, the thing is that these people then often become tremendously abusive to people who don't accept their theories of the law or theories of of exchange. I'm getting flashbacks to the people who will scream HIPAA violations about mask usage when HIPAA has to do with your doctor releasing information. Yeah, I mean, and so these people, a lot of them are barred from filing lawsuits is where a lot of these people end up. I bet. Yeah, because... You know, every so often you hear one of them in a headline, right? Like, there's some guy who's currently in prison for something unrelated who tried to sue Tiger Woods, Barack Obama, and Satan for, like, you know, $100 billion or whatever. And occasionally newspapers print this stuff like, oh, haha, that's a funny, weird thing that happened. And sure, it is. But these people are, are tremendously abusive of legal process, right? And so if you don't take their bullshit check or... You know, if you push back on their their theory that the law doesn't apply to them, they will sue you in every court under the sun. You know, and you may be saying to yourself, these people don't believe that courts have jurisdiction over them. How does that work? And That's my what answer I was is, saying. Right. And my answer is it doesn't. I, they die. Who cares? But, I mean, unfortunately, that, that's what ends up happening. You know, people will say, no, thank you. That's not real money that you're trying to pay me with. Please leave. And then they'll end up facing a lawsuit. And, you know, even though they're bogus lawsuits that generally get thrown out of court pretty immediately, that's still a pain, right? I mean, yeah. if you get served, you know, anybody can file a lawsuit, anything. And so you're, you get served with a legal complaint. You don't know if this person's, I mean, because again, you know, taking back to the original, they have all, you know, they've got all these cut and paste legal sounding phrases they can throw into documents. And, you know, that's, if you don't know what's going on, that's can seem terrifying. Yeah. Right. So then maybe you're spending money on a lawyer. Maybe you're spending time going to court. You know, even if even if something gets thrown out in the first round, you still have to file an answer. You still have to go to court. You still have to contest it. You know, it's not just automatic. That's, you know, judges generally can't just say, well, this is this is silly. Therefore, get out of here. Uh, I mean, they can after a certain stage, but you have to act to get them to do that. Right. You know, without getting too too in the weeds about it. Um, and it's, sometimes it's worse than that. I mean, it, it's, you know, sometimes it's death threats and stalking and doxing. And I mean, and these people are, 
generally ineffective, right? They're, you know, they, they very rarely actually hurt anybody physically, but they'll make your life hell for a little bit if, if you get on the wrong side. And the thing is... I feel great about doing this episode right, right now. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, and the thing is, these, these generally aren't people in solid organizations like we think of with the militia movement or whatever, but they do tend to talk to each other a lot. And a lot of these people crop up um, in, in different places in sort of the, the right-wing extremist environment, which brings me to why I'm really excited to do this episode, which is QAnon. I was going to say, the way that I know about them is, is QAnon. Yes. yes, so the sovereign citizen movement, was, it, it, it's a thing that peaks in times of crisis, right? Because, you know, if you look at the, the civil turmoil of the 60s, you know, the economic turmoil of the 80s. The, you know, this be, sovereign citizens became a big thing again in the mid-late 2000s because of the housing market collapse, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an ideology that's easily sold to desperate and generally uneducated or unsophisticated people um, who are looking for a way out of some trouble. So when, you, when you're saying unsophisticated, you mean like legally and technologically? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, people who don't have the mental tools or the yeah. educational tools to know that they're being sold some bullshit. You know, and I, I don't, yeah, I don't mean unsophisticated as, as a diss or anything. Um, it's largely desperation, you know, because it's, it's farmers whose land is getting foreclosed on, right? It's people who are losing their homes. You know, it's people who are facing the criminal legal system for the first time or maybe the 10th time and they're sick of it and somebody's promised them that this is a way out, you know. Um, I, I have tremendous sympathy for for at least the people who get roped into this um you know a lot of these people are grifters on a lot of the people selling them this stuff are grifters who i have nothing but contempt for right because there are people making a living selling desperate people books and fake uh documents and, and all this sort of shit and so now it's having another big resurgence and it is sort of merging in an, a disgusting and unholy way in with QAnon. I'm assuming most of our listeners at this point have a sense of what QAnon is. It is really interesting because I have been looking at QAnon because I study social movements and I study politics and I study very online politics. So it used to be like a year ago, you would have to really explain what QAnon yeah. is. And now I, I think unfortunately it's much more mainstream yeah. and it's kind of an umbrella of all the conspiracy theories sort of mesh into this larger movement of people mm-hmm. who believe in uh, they throw around the word cabal, but it's, it's a very anti-Semitic movement that is obsessed with child abuse and child trafficking. The, the one, the one sentence QAnon is a bunch of people believe that the U.S. military install, installed Donald Trump as president of the United States so that he could fight a worldwide pedophilic cabal run by all of the Democratic Party's elites. Yeah, that about does it. Yeah. Um, and, and that uh, insiders in this operation are sending coded messages to uh, the outside world through shady online message boards. Which sounds wild. Um, and is wild and seems silly and absurd. 
And this is the lesson I think we keep learning is just because a group is absurd does not mean they are not dangerous because people have died. Yes. Well, and that's what, yeah. And, and there are two members of Congress who believe that. Uh, so, so they, sovereign citizenship and QAnon were, were a very, I think, predictable merger uh, because they use a lot of the same sort of the, the magic words thing again. I mean, it, it's that, you know, there is some, it's, there's secret knowledge. You can access it just like the powerful people. All you have to do is buy this book and learn these phrases that, you know, will allow you to access the secret yeah. hidden knowledge. Right. And, you know, it's a general, you know, sovereign citizenship is, again, a very anti-government movement. QAnon is not necessarily anti-government, but is anti-deep state, which is a meaningless phrase that can mean whatever you want it to mean. So they they often go hand in hand. So uh, the first real big intersection of, of these people, of these movements, is the story of a woman named Neely Petrie Blanchard. She is a very desperate woman in a real bad place. She, it looks like from, you know, what I can find in news articles and stuff, she's a woman who's long had a history of, of mental health and drug issues. She lost her children in a custody dispute with their father because of her sort of regular run-ins with the law and with, with drugs and, and with mental health interventions. Um, and it's, a, it's, and it's a, a sad story that happens, you know, thousands of times every day, unfortunately, in, in this country. And she believed, as many people in her situation do, that she had not gotten a fair shake in the justice system, uh, had not gotten a fair shake in the domestic relations court that ended up taking her children away from her. And she didn't think her attorneys had, you know, been working for her, didn't, you know, she thought... Her, her public defender was working against her, was working for the state. Um, and yeah, and, and it's unfortunately just a very typical story until Miss Petrie Blanchard came across QAnon. And one of the benefits of these sorts of conspiracy organizations, these sorts of, of cults, if you will, is that they give you... They, they put your life in order. They, they give it some set of meaning. You know, now, you know, it's not it's not just you. It's not just your situation. It's, it's not just your successes or failings as a mother. It's, it's not just, you know, maybe a, a, a overly aggressive prosecutor or, or a judge who didn't care or a system that just generally is, is built to disenfranchise people like you. Now it's it's a conspiracy, and because it's a conspiracy, because it it's you know because there's an enemy, there's something to fight back against and win. Right. Well, I think that's what what cults in general, but what QAnon specifically gives people is you are stuck in you know a society where you don't feel like you have control, and there are all these really complicated social problems. And they're offering a silver bullet. They're offering yeah. you an action, like one single violent action from people who aren't you. You don't even have to participate are going to solve this. And so instead of looking at systematic 
inequalities and instead of realizing that maybe you don't have the amount of control over your life and that, you know, things might be bad, but they're bad in really complicated systemic ways. Instead, QAnon says, yeah, things are bad, but it's one single evil that can be fought and you don't even have to fight it, but you get the special secret knowledge that it can be fought. Yeah, so there's, um, so Neely Petrie Blanchard um, intersected the sovereign citizen movement through QAnon because it was through QAnon groups that she found a guy named Chris Hallett. And Chris Hallett is a long time, long time sovereign citizen grifter who runs a company that is somehow allowed to exist under Florida law called E-Clause. E-Clause is, or, or was, I guess, uh, E-Clause was a company that purported to offer legal services. Now, Chris Hallett is not an attorney. He never was an attorney. No one at his organization is an attorney. But they offer legal services specifically to people well, I mean, among other things, but specifically to people who have lost custody battles. Oh, I can already tell this is grim. So they play. I mean, it's an organization that preys upon people who have lost the, you know, the nearest and dearest thing in their lives and says, well, you're here's the problem is either you tried to go it alone and the court didn't listen to you because you didn't have a lawyer or you had a lawyer. But that guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And e clause, we non-lawyers, we know. Right, and E-Clause e was, I mean, it was chock full of magic words. I mean, it was absolute nonsense. It was just cobbled together, non, you know, it was, you'd file documents that were just cobbled together nonsense from various legal phrasings and, and legal documents. But Miss Petrie Blanchard went all in. When she got supervised visitation with her daughters, she had bought them E-Clause t-shirts. She had an E-Clause vanity license plate on her car. And by all accounts, she was, I mean... It's also not a great sign if your lawyer has merch. (laughs) Right, yeah. Generally, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I... I, I know guys who sell law firm t-shirts. I'm not going to, I'm not going to crap on it too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that shouldn't be, they shouldn't have like an online store usually. In, back in March, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, she kidnapped her twin daughters from their grandmother's Oof. court-ordered custody Oof. and delivered letters that E-Clause had written to local officials that were insane. Uh, so did this this company knew she intended to kidnap the children? It's unclear. They maybe. <laughs> and the reason we'll never we'll never know, and the reason we'll never know uh, is because she was arrested for kidnapping, was released on bail. Her Facebook is wild. It's she's going to Trump rallies in in. A, in and JFK Jr. is still alive, QAnon t-shirts. Okay, and that's a fringe part that's of a, QAnon. Right, that's it's, a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, eventually, your daughters were returned to their grandmother's care, and then we're not exactly sure what happened, be, and we'll never be exactly sure what happened because she ended up driving to Florida and murdering Chris Hallett, allegedly. Uh, yeah. Jeez. So... 
I mean, just just quoting from the, the Daily Beast article on it, um, Hal at 50 had become a key part of the YouTube QAnon network, streaming his fake legal claims with his on and off business partner, Kirk Pendergrass. While neither man is registered as a lawyer or appears to have any legitimate legal education, they promoted their services on QAnon YouTube shows to build a following among a community of desperate mothers who had lost their children and solicited donations for their services. Hallett's legal services appear to have universally failed when they managed to reach the courts. Uh, he claimed that Donald Trump had authorized him to create a separate legal system for federal cu- or for child custody, a notion that a federal judge uh, found risable and rambling in a January opinion. Uh, quote, the court declines to entertain plaintiff's fantasy that he is acting at the behest of the president, end quote. And this is, I mean, these people, you know, they're, they're predators. I mean, this guy was a predator. I am not... I'm more sympathetic to, to his alleged murderer than I am to him, I think, because, you know, people who trusted him and depended on him and, and used these these services usually ended up way worse off. You know, he, as I'm sure you can imagine, if you come into court saying that you have to give me my kids back because Donald Trump says you don't have the authority to make child custody yeah. decisions and has actually given this guy permission to create a separate legal system for that that purpose you're gonna lose your custody battle like well and they just you're not gonna win this this has happened more than once i think this is one of the more kind of shocking cases with clearly a deadly outcome yeah but this is creating so much chaos and trouble for people who work with juveniles and for foster parents, because you get these people armed with what they believe Mm -hmm. is their vindication, having these violent confrontations with foster parents, with, with the court system. And it's frightening. It's it's very frightening. Well, that's, there's another um, woman uh, out of Colorado, Cindy Abson, as I think her yeah, who uh, was a Chris Hallett disciple, was another E-Clause person. And another, same story, right? Terrible life, on and off battles with, with drugs and mental illness, lost her kids in a custody dispute, uh, became a, a Chris Hallett E-Clause disciple to try and get her kids back. That failed for all the re- the obvious reasons. And then she was arrested among, uh, with a group of other people for conspiring to carry out an armed assault on the foster home where her children were. Uh, right. They were going to do like a Navy SEAL raid on these poor people in, the, in this foster home. You know, and again, it, it, it's people selling lies to desperate people. It's people selling absolute out and out bullshit to the most desperate people so that they can turn a buck. I mean, make no mistake, like Chris Hallett is was a predator and a profiteer off of other people's misery. Um, and that, and that's what a lot of the people behind the sovereign citizen movement are. And they are now a lot of people who like use their stuff. I mean, I, you know, I don't think, you know, these women are bad people. I, I think they were taken advantage of and put in a more desperate situation, you know, and there's a lot well, going on in there. the background of, you know, we have this silver bullet that's going to save your children and re- reunite you. Mm. The other content on this website is saying, by the way, there's this very vast conspiracy to violently murder right. children yes. and torture children. Yes. So at the same time, you're you know promising them the thing they want most. You're also stoking the fears that like their absolute worst nightmare of violence towards their children is going to happen. Yes. Combined with mental health problems, right? Yeah. Like well, it is it is not surprising to me. 
No. Well, that's, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if this actually makes it to trial, which I imagine it will. You know, I don't think the state of Florida will want I, – I don't think a trial court will want to find this woman insane, um, right? They will want to put her on trial for better or worse. And so I'm interested in, in – right, which is a whole other thing, but <laughs> we can do a whole podcast on that. Uh, but But – you know, I, I'm interested to see at because at trial they will surely talk about you know any competent defense attorney I think would talk about how this man preyed on her and, and and what was said and what he promised her and I'm interested to see you know what this guy was saying in private to these women. Well, and he doesn't have attorney-client privilege because he was not an attorney. Yeah. Well. Well, you, I mean, even if he was, you lose your attorney-client privilege when you murder your attorney. I will say, I got I will All throw right. that out there. You, uh, you, That's you good no to long, know. You no longer get attorney-client privilege if you shoot your attorney in the head. But, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, this, this stuff, there was a woman in Utah who was big into the sovereign, a, a different, you know, she was being fed stuff by a different group of, of predators, but she kidnapped her kids from the foster yeah. home in Utah. You know, and that's where this is the intersection with QAnon is, and that's where it's it's really dangerous. Is you know, like you said, QAnon's state, you know, QAnon's whole basic premise is there is a massive underground child torture, trafficking, murder ring. Yeah. That if you don't know where your kids are, they might be there. Right. right? Well, and, and yeah. like I can get you. I'm the only one who can help you. I'm the only one who can help save your kids from the murderous face eaters in these foster homes, you know, and it is, uh, it's got a very satanic panic vibe to it. I was going to say, I mean, this is classic moral panics yeah. and, and maybe that would be a good future episode. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, I mean, even the QAnon stuff is they're recycling old moral panics. These yeah. are not new theories. Yeah, um, there was a good behind the bastards on the Satanic Panic with uh, Jake Hanrahan, who okay. does a QAnon podcast that's very good called Q Clearance. So I'm gonna plug some of my favorites. Yeah, cool. yeah. But yeah, so that that's the group. I mean, and these people, you know, are have overlap with every militia movement, every every alt right movement. Um, they are not necessarily themselves alt right, or at least they don't have to be, but. You know, a lot of it, um, a lot of it intersects, right? Because a lot of it is like this hardcore, you know, blood and soil fascism, libertarianism intersection, where is is where a lot of these people kind of come from. And the idea of you know, we're just out and out rejecting the the authority of the government, especially the federal government. Yeah, I was going to say because there is like a weird respect for local levels, but not not consistently. I feel yeah. like the, the number one thing that kind of unites QAnon and, and Saab Sids is, is a lot of energy and investment in the ideology, and the ideology itself is incredibly inconsistent. So yeah. it'll, it'll be a totally different system of beliefs depending on who you talk to, um, but the commitment yes. <laughs> unites them all. So it's, I want to I want to end this on, on a little bit of a, a funnier note because the thing about sovereign citizens is they are the funniest objectively of the alt right uh, or or hardcore right wing environment. They are still capable of a lot of laugh worthy stuff. 
And, so, and you can find these people everywhere in, in the Anglosphere, by the way. There are Canadian ones, there are uh, Australians, there are British, you know. And, and anywhere you find English speakers, you can find these people. Um, and so this is from the uh, Crown Court of Appeal in Brisbane, Australia. And it's just one of the funniest uh, judgment entries I, I've ever read from a, from a judge. And it goes as follows, quote, the applicant was charged with one count of unlicensed driving. He was convicted and found $150, or fined $150. He applied to the magistrate to dismiss the charge on the ground that, for reasons that are not clear, a police officer has no power to charge him or to commence the proceedings in question. This argument was obvious nonsense, and the, and the magistrate rightly rejected it. After hearing the evidence led by the prosecution, the magistrate found the applicant guilty as charged. Unsatisfied with this outcome, the applicant appealed to the district court and argued that he was something which he called a citizen sovereign and that the laws of Queensland did not apply to him. If that was true, it would be hard to understand why the applicant was agitating his complaints before this court, which is one that has been established under the laws that he says do not apply to him. This paradox did not trouble the applicant, however, and he has now applied for leave to appeal against Judge Moynihan's order dismissing his appeal. That the applicant is merely persisting in putting forward a jumble of gobbledygook to support his application in this court can be seen at once if one reads only the two opening sentences of his purported outline of argument. Here they are. My, all caps, Bradley person, conjoined with the Bradley spiritual family body politic, is my own body politic by succession at law. It is my natural body incorporated at the supreme Christian law and is my own jurisdiction, all caps. This application is an abuse of the court's process and shall be dismissed. Wild. So that, that little, um, that's what I'm talking about with the magic words, that little bit in, the, in there that they quote from him. Like, it has the same energy of Michael Scott walking through the office screaming, I declare right. bankruptcy. Yes, yes, that is absolutely what it is. I mean, that is stuff, like, if you, I mean, that is nonsense to... Most people, I think, but like there's enough in there, right? If you say the word jurisdiction enough, frankly, you'll kind of sound like you know what you're talking about, right? Or the phrase like body politic, right? Like those are, if you don't know any better, those are phrases that sound like they have meaning. Yeah. They like don't. If you tune <laughs> out a little, it sounds real. Right. I mean, and, and you know, it, it, it's nonsense. It is obvious nonsense, but... Uh, well, it reminds me of when I was first in grad school, and every once in a while you would hear someone say something really, really complicated. And when I was first a grad student, I was like, wow, this person is so much smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And then I was around the block a while, and I read more, and I you know, participated more in different conversations. And you'd hear them talking, and you're like, oh, no, they're just stringing nonsense together. They yes. just know what to say. And I felt embarrassed to ask about the words they were using. Yes. Uh, here's another one. This is a, um, a notice that's placed on the entrance of a restaurant called Chaps Roadhouse in Michigan. Now, the, the article says this is from Rick Martin, an attorney with the Constitutional Law Group. Uh, but as far as I can tell, Rick Martin is not actually barred in the state of Michigan or anywhere. Uh, and the Constitutional Law Group is just a thing he made up. Notice to all government officials, 
You are in violation of your oath of office by trespassing unlawfully on the property of this business establishment and committing an act of domestic terrorism under Section 802 of the Patriot Act. You are knowingly and willingly violating the rights of a business owner. You are no longer protected under judicial immunity and are now subject to being arrested and also sued in your private capacity. Rick Martin, ConstitutionalLawGroup.us which one you you gotta love the dot us there that's just if your lawyer has a dot us web web address you're going to prison sorry i just feel like if i walked up to that and i read that my first thought wouldn't be like oh they make some valid arguments this seems legit my thought would be i don't want to deal with whoever's behind this oh the uh yeah the um the lakeview daily news news from montcalm in ionia county michigan uh has corrected the, their underlying article to state that, yes, Rick Martin is not practiced to practice law, <laughs> is not licensed to practice law in the state of Michigan, um, which, again, like, it is a crime to, <laughs> to practice law without being an attorney, which is what's yeah. wild about a lot of the fact that a lot of, right, like, Chris Hallett shouldn't have gotten murdered because Chris Hallett should have gotten to jail, right? Rick Martin shouldn't be posting dumb shit on the front doors of businesses because Rick Martin should be in jail because that's what happens when you commit crimes and what he is doing is a crime. <laughs> only if you believe the law. Oh, right. Only if you, you believe the law was you. Yeah. That's um, a clever loophole. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Right. But so you see these, you know, uh, my, my favorite sort of funny, uh, uh, sovereign citizen tactic. So when, when I was a clerk, when I was in law school, for the municipal court here, we got sovereign citizens, you know, once every so often. And eventually they all, all their filings wound up with me because I thought, sure. they were, because I wanted them and I thought they were all hysterical. But what that you, but what that meant though, unfortunately, was I handled a lot of paperwork that people had signed with a blood thumb. Oh God. Which is the grossest way to interact with the legal system imaginable. So this is hard, hard to hear. And I know that you've told me this story before, but I just realized that like we, we bake food together. Well, I don't like, like I assume you've anymore. washed your hands, but it's just like yes. so much stranger blood. Well, and this was, I mean, this was like five years ago. Um, I try to, I don't touch the, you know, I didn't just like lick my finger and like touch the thumbprint and then lick my finger. I mean, I again. assume not. <laughs> I just. Just like a lot of stranger blood. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. I mean, I feel bad for the clerks, like getting it originally. You know, yeah. like right by the time I got it, some uh, some other people like in, in, the, in the basement and had to handle it a couple, three times. So, um, but I mean, but so that, that's that's the sort of shit you get with these guys. Is you know, the people they'll spell their names funny. You know, you'll hear Freeman of the Land a lot. Um, one of the most common ones is, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not driving, I'm traveling as a reason why they don't need driver's license because in their argument, you only need a driver's license if you're driving for commercial reasons and the state has no power to restrict, restrict you from traveling, which is true, but they can restrict the way you do it. So <laughs> before you get behind the wheel of a 4,000 pound machine moving at 80 miles an hour, the state can in fact say a couple of words about you know there have been a few cases of people like building their own like tiny planes and you're just not allowed to do that right right you can walk wherever the hell you want you know 
Except, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you want to, if you want to walk anywhere, God bless. It's when you start using like motors and stuff that the state gets their rights. Well, it's that. also like you're on you're on government roads. Right. Yes. Yes. That is that is <laughs> that is the other <laughs> legal reason. Yes, that the, that the state can intervene. It's fascinating. Well. We should probably wrap up. Yeah, and I, yeah. I do want to plug, you have yes. been two-timing me. <laughs> no, he has another podcast. Yes. Uh, uh, we've restarted it. Uh, the first episode is going to be also about sovereign citizens. Um, we've done some before. We have a SoundCloud and stuff. The first one that's going to be on like Spotify and Apple and everything is going to be also about sovereign citizens. It's myself and Ted Babcock. It is called The Fault in Our Starry Decisis, which is a legal pun, and that's how you know it rules. So, you know, check us out, enjoy, etc. Uh, we should have that up in a couple of weeks here. Yeah, and they're, they're old episodes. They break down um, kind of the background and the importance of different Supreme Court cases. So if you are a big legal nerd um, or you just enjoy uh, Andrew's witty banter and good research skills. Uh, it is a delight. We have a great one if you want to check out the SoundCloud. We have a great old one about uh, the time Jerry Falwell sued Penthouse. So that's my personal favorite one. wonder what he's up to now. Dead. He's dead. I thought he was the one that got into that huge scandal with his wife. That's his son. My God. Yeah. No, Jerry Falwell Sr. is... is I see. Well, then that was tasteless of me (laughs) to bring up his son's very strange and hypocritical marriage. Mm -hmm. Chris Hitchens, I think, said it best about Jerry Falwell's death. The man was so full of shit. If you gave him an enema, you could bury the remains in a matchbox. And with that, (laughs) try our chocolate cookie (laughs) recipe. I assume, yeah, I assume most of this is going to be cut out. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much for listening. Try the chocolate cookies and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, talk to you soon.